today we continue in our foundations series. And uh, I was so grateful. Someone gave me this shirt, uh, Under Armour, and I don't have a huge amount of physical Under Armour. But I thought it tied in with our foundation series of the fact that what are we building our lives on? What's beneath the surface? What is our under armor of faith that actually our life stands on? And so I thought it was a great, uh, it was a great prophetic gift that someone gave me. And so today we talk on the topic of prayer. And prayer really means a conversation with God. It's a two-way conversation. It's us talking and it's God speaking to us. And uh, I believe that we don't struggle as much with talking to God as we do hearing His voice. I think most of us are very happy to verbally talk to God. In fact, people who I know who are exploring faith, who don't have a relationship with Christ, under crisis, they are the first people and very open to say, um, I, I'm crying out to God or please pray for me. Whether we believe in God or not, in a crisis, often we go, no, that's the time to talk to God. But what it shows is that deep down we have a desire to connect with someone supernatural, someone greater than ourselves. But at times, it may feel as though we're talking to or hearing from a brick wall. I think that would be an honest assumption for many of us in our prayer lives. Or maybe it's hard to work out exactly what God is saying. I'm happy to talk, but what is he saying to me and how do I actually hear his voice? So why do we sometimes feel it's difficult um, in prayer to actually connect with God? Well, it's because things happened in the Garden of Eden when sin came in. Before sin, connecting with God was a natural lifestyle. It was absolutely natural. In fact, Genesis 3 verse 8, look at what it says here. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So imagine this. Before sin enters, which enters in the second part of the verse, Adam and Eve walked and talked with God in his presence, chatting in the cool of the day, discussing, planning how they were going to sort our creation together. See, we were made to live in God's continual presence, enjoying perfect relationship. That's how we were created. But then sin enters, and it shatters this perfect relationship. And Adam and Eve actually pulled themselves away from God. It says that they hid themselves. They pulled themselves away from God. And sin divides, puts a division between a perfect God and imperfect people. And so both our talking to God and our hearing from Him are now fragmented because of the brokenness of sin in our lives and in the world. But it isn't all depressing. I truly believe that in spite of our imperfections, through the work of Christ on the cross, you and I have an opportunity to have a close friendship with our Creator, with Jesus. I believe it is 100% possible. Where we can connect on an intimate level, where He can speak to us, we can speak to Him. And all relationships take time and effort. Those who are married would know that. Those who are in another relationship would know that with our children, with work colleagues. It takes time and effort to build a friendship. It's no different with God. And sometimes we can sort of feel, but, but this should be easy. We should just be able to connect with Him automatically. No, it takes time to build any friendship with Him is no different. So how do we get started? And I hope this is going to be helpful wherever we are in our journeys of faith. Well, firstly, it's to remember who we're connecting with. The Lord God isn't a buddy he isn't the big guy in the sky. He isn't a ruthless dictator standing over us with a big stick when we mess up. He isn't a soft little man. Often you see those uh, paintings of Jesus, people's depictions of what he looked like. And it's just this man with this lovely flowing blonde hair and this porcelain skin uh, and, uh, and a little bit soft, a little bit weak, if I'm honest. But Jesus was the furthest thing from that. Even his physical appearance, he, didn't, he would have looked Jewish actually. 
um, I think probably the Chosen series that some of you might have watched, I feel give a probably real look of what a Jewish man probably looked like, but very different to a soft man. He isn't airy-fairy go with the flow character. See, once we become Christ followers, we can have a relationship with the ultimate father, the closest friend, the all-powerful king. And I don't think there's anyone in the world who wouldn't like a friendship with someone like that. Yes, a brutal dictator, probably shy away from. Someone soft who doesn't stand for what they believe in, maybe shy away from. But someone who is a loving father, who is a powerful king, who's a perfect friend. I think we would all want a friendship with someone like that. John 15 verse 15, that's what Jesus says. No longer when you give your life to Christ. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my father I've made known to you. And this word friend is a really interesting one in the Greek. It's the same word used for the best man at a wedding or a king's inner circle. So when Jesus says he's calling us his friends, he's talking about the closest of friendships, the closest way that we can connect with someone. Romans 8, 14 to 16, says, for all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit testifies that we're God's children. And this word, Abba, Father, the closest translation for us is Daddy. Maybe some of you, particularly men, are like calling God Daddy or thinking of Him like that. It's that closest relationship of a father that you can have. And maybe you've had a broken relationship with your earthly father. And that's, that's made it difficult for you to see God as a, as a healthy, loving father. But it's a close relationship that you can see him as. So that's, that's kind of who we need to picture when we're talking to God. He longs to have that relationship with us. But how does he speak? How does he speak to you and I? How do we know that it's him speaking and we're not making it up? How do we know we're actually hearing from God? himself so there's a number of ways and they kind of all come together for us to hear from him in different ways firstly creation creation psalm 19 verse 1 to 4 it says the heavens declare the glory of god we sang today about how great is our god and the expanse proclaimed the work of his hands day after day they pour out speech night after night they communicate knowledge there's no speech there are no words there's no voice is not heard their voice is not heard their message has gone out to the whole earth, their words to the ends of the world. Every sunrise that we experience, every plant that grows in the garden, or we see it flowering, every rain that falls, was it last night? Many of us uh, would have had wonderful rain. That rain that falls, it's meant to show us that God is the creator and wants to speak. He's speaking through his creation. And Jesus backed this up. Jesus used creation all the time to describe how he spoke to us. Matthew 6, 25 to 26. Look at what he says. He uses creation to get across spiritual truths. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Why did Jesus use creation? birds plants to get across truths because it's something we can all relate to we can all understand and just as i read that maybe maybe some of you are feeling just as i read that verse i thought about it um you actually have those questions where's where's my money going to come from this month or next month does god actually care about me and he wants you to know now he does he 
cares about you a lot more than anything else. He's going to provide, so trust him for that. Paul, Romans 1 verse 20, the Apostle Paul writing, For his invisible attributes, this is God, his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made, and as a result, people are without excuse. Paul actually says that just by seeing creation, everyone knows there's a God. Sure, people might try and say other things happen. We came about through evolutionary pathways and those sorts of things. But actually, Paul says, just by virtue of how creation operates, it's proof that there's a God that you and I can turn to. So take time to marvel at creation, to acknowledge God as creator and invite him to speak to you through it. He will. One way God speaks creation. Next one, scripture. Now, we spoke about this a few weeks ago. Uh, If you want to find out more about the basis of the Bible, where it comes from, definitely look back on YouTube or on our podcasts um, about that. But the Bible is God's word. It's perfect, and it must always be our primary source, our primary source of God's word and hearing from his voice. It has to be. It's perfect. It's our safety. It's our foundation. It says this in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. All scripture is inspired by God. Other translations would say, is God breathed. Every part of this is God's word and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And so we need to submit ourselves to God's word and to what it says here. We must take that as foundational for our lives. And we can't let society or things that we're uncomfortable with in scripture move us away from listening to his voice it's so easy for us to read and take the parts of scripture that we love that make us feel good and sort of leave books of the bible and passages we don't like because they make us feel uncomfortable but actually when we feel uncomfortable as we read scripture we need to dive deeper that's the time we need to explore more we need to ask god the questions but why do i feel uncomfortable when i read that why does that make me feel awkward because it's possibly that you've been listening to voices that aren't biblical voices And so when you read it, it makes you feel uncomfortable because it it doesn't match with what you've been hearing. But this needs to be our framework. Every time that we feel God speaking to us through means other than Scripture, and He does speak, I've just spoken through creation, it needs to be backed up by Scripture. We can't hear things and take them as God's Word if they don't line up with His ultimate Word. And so make known God's Word your priority. And if you're here... You don't own a Bible. Chat to us afterwards. If you don't have money to buy one, we'll give you one. If you aren't reading the Bible at the moment, we we said it, I think, two weeks ago. Start with one verse a day. Start with saying, uh, God, I just want to start somewhere, but his word is life. And if we stop reading his word, we start to shrivel. And so if you're feeling your spiritual life is starting to shrivel and you aren't reading this, start reading. Scripture two. Next one. The witness of the Holy Spirit, the witness of the Holy Spirit. As Christ follows, God's Spirit enters our hearts and our lives, and He starts to speak to us. And His work, He's at work speaking to you and I through His Spirit each and every day, all the time, 24 7. We'll get to it later, but even through our dreams and even as we sleep, our thoughts, our conscience, the spiritual state of our hearts. Look at some of these passages. John 14, verse 16 to 17. I'll ask the Father, He'll give you another counselor. To be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. Why are people anti-faith? Anti-faith in Christianity? It's because we live in a spiritual battle. There's a spirit of truth and there's a spirit of lies. And we've got to be careful which we follow and which we listen to. 
But you do know him if you're a Christ follower because he remains with you and he will be with you. If you're a Christ follower here today, you have the spirit of God within you, directing, leading, counseling. Romans 8 verse 16, the spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we're God's children. Philippians 2 verse 13, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his purpose. So just those passages alone, there's no doubt that the spirit of God is within us and he's speaking to us and he's talking to us. But how exactly does that outwork? You might go, Craig, that's fine, but what does that look like practically? It's difficult to express how he speaks in a specific word, but I would describe the Holy Spirit's guidance in our lives as a sense, as a feeling, as an impression, as a tangible presence. And we've had times like this even last week at church collectively where there was this real sense that God's Spirit just came in a wonderful way as we prayed for each other. And people experienced that and people cried and there was tears and, and God moved. That was a tangible sense of God's Spirit with us. Look at some passages that express this directly. Acts 14 verse 9, there's a person here, the Apostle Paul's talking. There's a person here and he listened as Paul spoke. And after looking directly at him and seeing he had faith to be healed, Paul prayed and he was healed. Luke 24 verse 32, they said to each other, two people were walking alongside the risen Jesus, but they didn't know that yet. And once they worked it out, they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? How could Paul see the faith of this person? And how could these two people feel their hearts burning within them as they spoke to Jesus. Did Paul actually see suddenly faith physically? No, it was a spiritual seeing. It was a sense. It was a feeling. Those men who were walking alongside talking to Jesus, but suddenly the atmosphere felt different and their hearts felt different. Did they see that visually? No, they experienced it. They felt it. And so some practical ways we hear through the witness of the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26. The counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, will remind you what I've told you. So the Holy Spirit will bring to memory things we've heard in Scripture. He'll remind us of what God's done in our lives. He'll do this regularly as he speaks to us. James 1 verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. Had conversations with a number of people this week just saying, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the next step is. I love this passage where it says, if you're struggling for wisdom, ask God. The Holy Spirit will give you wisdom to make the right decisions. Ask Him and then act in faith. So whilst we can't exactly describe God's voice through the Spirit, those passages are a helpful guide. Be listening, be aware of what He's saying to you. Next one, audible voice. Audible voice. There are some clear examples of this in Scripture. Jesus talking to Saul on the road to Damascus, the Lord talking to Peter when it was about clean and unclean foods to eat, the Lord calling Samuel. Whilst this doesn't happen to many in our world, I believe it still does. I know somebody who most definitely has heard the audible voice of God speaking to them. I'd say it doesn't happen often, but it does. God can speak in any way he wants, and he may well choose that. Next one, miracles. There are many Bible passages and life stories of the miraculous power of God through miracles. And miracles demonstrate a few things. Number one, that God loves you, that he cares, that he has compassion. And number two, the reality of his kingdom. And that draws people towards him. And we want to see people come to know Jesus in Harari and beyond. And so we're eager for his supernatural work to be demonstrated. 
might have shared this a few weeks ago, but the most recent one, a lady down the road from us um, who we've been praying for, terrible bulging disc, she slipped it, really unable to walk and work. And then we were praying for a number of other people. She went to the top uh, spinal specialist here in, uh, in, in Zimbabwe. She got her scans. It wasn't feeling sore anymore. And, um, and he said to her, um, he sort of has a semi-belief in God. But if you look at the two, one is a perfect spine and one is a horrifically bulging, pushed out, fluid out spine. And he says, there is no explanation. This is an absolute miracle. A few weeks ago. So God's working and he touches us supernaturally when even the top specialists who have physical evidence just say not possible, but it's happened. So God works. He works in miraculous ways. People, have you had a friend who says something just as you need to hear it? Or maybe you're listening to a talk and a part of it seems to speak directly to you. I've had this a few times when either I've listened to a preach or somebody else has and I've just been like, it was as if I was the only person in the room. That person could have been having a one-on-one conversation with me, but I know that they weren't. Be aware of how you can be an encouragement to others and take note of when certain conversations that you have with people seem to carry a greater weight than others. The Holy Spirit is probably speaking. He loves to encourage us through each other. We're his body. And so be ready for that. Dreams and visions. After this, I'll pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams. Your young men will see visions. I don't think it's saying because old men sleep more. But it might be. I mean, maybe Joel was writing going, listen, these guys just sleep all the time. Afternoon naps, early sleep. And so they better have dreams and men have visions. But I remember vividly a day I woke up a a few years ago dreaming about praying for a headmaster at a school here in Harare. Vividly woke up going, I just haven't thought of that headmaster for years. I don't know why, but let me act on it. So God in touch said, this is really strange, but I had a dream. Can I come and pray for you? They said, yes, that would be amazing. Please come and pray. We had an amazing prayer time. And God actually did, did some awesome things in their lives on the back of that. But, but it was a dream, crazy random dream. And sometimes we can just think dreams are random and sometimes maybe they are. But I think we also need to test things a bit further at times. Angels. There's no doubt that angels are God's servants and they may well appear to you or have appeared to you as a means of bringing instruction or help. Look at these passages below that demonstrate that angels are involved in our lives. Hebrews 13 verse 2, don't neglect to show hospitality for by doing this some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Maybe the annoying person coming to your gate to ask for food is an angel. Maybe the annoying street person when you're trying to park and get to the shops and they they're asking for food or something is an angel i'm not saying everyone is i'm just saying maybe i know i had an experience in university uh, coming back uh, the days before cell phones and uh, my car was uh, running out of fuel and i got lost without a map book in the middle of joburg um, in the most dangerous part and i remember getting to a petrol station there i was almost out of fuel and before I even got out of the car, the petrol attendant came to me and he was like, you need to get out of here now. It's not safe. There were people around and a car drove up and this person said to me, uh, I'll take you where you need to go. <laughs> and uh, so I was in my car and I was just like, should I trust this person? But I had such a peace. They said, follow me. Where do you need to go? I need to get to Bedford View or whatever else, which was a good now I was out by half an hour, 40 minutes. This person by themselves was like, follow me. I'll get you there. And... Uh, I never contacted the person again. Could have just been a very nice bystander at like 9.30 at night in Joburg who was happening to drive through a really dodgy pod who thought, I'll just help this person from death. 
but maybe as an angel. I think we need to be aware of those sorts of things. The trials of life. Whilst this may not be the way that we would choose God to speak to us, there's no doubt that the Lord speaks to us through the trials and difficulties that we experience. If we have the right perspective during these hard times, that they can actually bring about the most profound closeness to the Lord. One of the, a lot of the conversations I've had with people going through immense difficulty has been, but I've never felt closer to Jesus. Do we want trials and difficulties? No. But does God do things in those times? Yes. John 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous, I've, come, I've conquered the world. This is talking about tough times are going to come for us. 2 Timothy 3, verse 10 to 12, uh, the Apostle Paul, but you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not might be, but will. So Jesus is saying it is going to happen, but how are you going to respond to it? Interesting enough, there are persecution or trials relating specifically to being a Christ follower and people persecuting you because of that. Sufferings are all difficulties. Sickness, disasters, accidents. So Paul says these things, persecutions, because of your faith, sufferings for no reason or you don't understand the reason why they've come god is with you in the process he helps and he speaks philippians 1 verse 29 it's been granted to you it's been a gift i mean paul sometimes we don't like reading the passages from paul because uh, he spoke on this a lot but he said um it's been granted to you on christ's behalf not only to believe in him but also to suffer for him guys this is a gift it's been granted to you <laughs> not a gift that we would choose since you're engaged in the same struggle that you saw i had and now here I have. So it's going to happen. It's inevitable. We're not going to escape this. Jesus isn't a lucky dip, a slot machine to take us away from our problems and prevent us from ever suffering in this lifetime. What are some of the benefits that can come as a result of difficulties in life? 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 9. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in display. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but not destroyed. He's always going to be with us. Romans 8 verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed in us. What we go through compared to eternity and the reward ahead, it's not worth it. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4, he comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So in a strange way, for those of us as we suffer, as we go through difficulty, we're able to help people that no one else could help in the spiritual realm. James 1 verse 2 to 4, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials, difficulties of all kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, not lacking anything. Charles Stanley, when you become consumed by God's call on your life, everything will take on a new meaning and significance you'll begin to see every facet of your life, including your pain, as a means through which God can work to bring others to himself. And so keep a biblical perspective. We don't go after difficulty. But when it comes, if we have the right perspective, it can be a mechanism to grow closer to Jesus and to serve many people for God's kingdom. So that's how does he speak. And there's some other ways. As I get towards the end, and then we're going to take a communion together as we close. So when it comes to hearing God's voice, 
Be encouraged, be expectant. At times it may feel faint. At times he calls us to step out in faith. At other times he shouts so loud, puts blocks in our path. It's, it's like it's almost audible. He's spoken so clearly. We can't help but follow. But connecting with God and learning to hear his voice, sort of like these multiple colored threads of a tapestry. He speaks in different ways, but they create a beautiful picture as we listen in each different ways. But how can we grow in this area of life as we close? First one, choose to listen. Choose to listen. Every day we have an opportunity to listen to God's voice. We have a role to play and we won't hear his voice by accident. Psalm 27 verse 4, one thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing I ask, absolute desire. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, or cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Quite scary passages, but you notice a number of the verbs above. Look at these, submit, resist, draw near, cleanse, purify, seek, find, search. Those are verbs. They're doing words. They are active. They're actions that we must take if we're going to be in the place of hearing God's voice clearly. They're active. We have to be active in this process. So if you don't feel that you're hearing God's voice, just ensure that your heart actually wants to listen to what he has to say. It's a challenge for all of us. If we don't feel we're hearing his voice, do we actually want to hear what he might want to say? Build listening habits. We spoke about habits at the beginning of the year. It takes time to build them. And listening to God, we need to create the same sorts of habits to recognize his voice. Psalm 119 verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. I love your word. I meditate on it all day. I think about it all day. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17. So as we said a few weeks ago, start with some daily time. Ask God to speak to you. Good reminders in place so that you remember to hear his voice. To build listening habits. Might be a regular alarm on your phone. Maybe it's every time you pick up a coffee cup in the morning. It sparks something to say, actually God's with me. Think about that. Maybe a sticky note on your car. Maybe you have to do a sticky note on your steering wheel for the next like month to remember to listen for his voice. Think correctly. When you think about a problem over and over in your mind, it's called worry. When you think about God and his desires over and over, it's called meditation. We need to take control of our thoughts. Here's one, Romans 12, verse 1 to 2. Brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. And then look what it says. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may discern what is good, pleasing, the perfect will of God. So we've got to allow God to transform our thinking. Philippians 4, verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, there's anything excellent, anything praiseworthy, think on these things. So we need to be aware of our thinking. Is it rooted in scripture or is it dictated by others, by fear, by society? We want to be our minds filled with Christ. Last two quick ones. Radical obedience with faith. Then we'll stand and pray. The Lord loves it when we respond to him in faith. His voice might not be 100% clear, but he loves it when we trust him and when we step out. John 15 verse 4, you're my friends if you do what I command you. Hebrews 11 verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God, but he rewards those who 
seek him. So go for it in stepping out in faith as you hear God speak. Always has to be in line with his word. It's going to be a bit scary. It might be praying for someone uh, that you've never done before. It might be trusting him with your resources, but it will help in growing your faith with him. The last one, be honest and vulnerable. We don't need to talk in a special way or act in a certain way. Just be yourself. Talk to God. Talk to him as if he's there in the car seat when you're driving. Talk to him when you're walking around the house. Speak to him, yes, in your mind, but even verbally. Matthew 6, verse 7 to 8. When you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles. Since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words, don't be like them. Because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. He knows everything about us. All our thoughts, all our mess, all our brokenness. He knows it all and he knows us. So come to him with honesty and vulnerability. Pour out your heart to him. Let him know what's saddening you, what's frustrating you, what's hurting you. He loves it when we are ourselves before him.